I'm Nancy, if I haven't met you. And we are in our Faith Factor series. Everybody ready to get excited today? I am. I am. So today I titled this Faith or Fantasy. And the reason being, we've been talking about faith, and last week we talked about how sometimes our faith and where we struggle is in whether God is able to do it. And we kind of looked at some scriptures so that we can get a bigger picture of how big God is and that God is able. And then I said, usually people's faith where they struggle is either believing God is able or believing God is willing. And so today we're going to look at God's willingness and how we can have confidence in that because that's a part. Have you ever doubted that God's willing to answer your prayer? Yeah. You ever had prayers that you didn't have answered and you had no idea why? So I want to see if uh, today we're going to look at God's word like the road map in the skit so that you don't have to be wandering around, particularly in your prayer life, having no idea whether you're going to actually get your prayers answered or not. And we're going to be looking at what's available today from God. And what's available, there are certain things that we can pray for that God's willing to do and certain things that God's actually really not willing to do. So you can pray to your blue in the face if it's something that God hasn't promised and you won't get an answer to that prayer. And I think that that's where there's a whole lot of confusion and where People just don't know, they don't understand because they don't have the roadmap of the Bible or know that. And it's understandable why people would get frustrated and why it would hurt your faith. So we're going to be taking a look at what's available. Go to in your Bibles if you've got them. And the U version is down today, I heard, so you won't be able to access that. But if you go to 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to look at a verse of scripture that will shed a little bit of light and is sort of the theme of what we're going to be talking about today. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions or requests that we have asked of him. So I want to kind of take a look. So how we can have confidence, this is how we can have confidence, is that if we ask anything, not like anything, 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 according to what? It says God's will. He hears us, that we know that, so basically what we need to do is ask according to his will. A lot of times people even kind of think if it's, you know, like surrender where they don't even, they kind of say everything is God's will if it happens. Well, that, I think that's a little crazy. Have you seen some things that have happened that you've thought, how could this possibly be what God wants? There's a lot of horrible things out there in the world that, I, that are absolutely opposite of God's desires and God's wishes. I think of child abuse. You know, how do people reconcile that of, you know, I know there's this very popular phrase, everything happens for a reason. And I kind of think I understand, my guess is, that they're, you know, people use it in different ways, but that it makes people feel better to think anything horrible happens that God's got something behind it. If it's terrible, God meant it for some good. Now, what happens and why people get confused is sometimes when terrible things happen and you turn them around for good, that's a good thing. 
But that doesn't mean that God wanted that horrible thing to happen to you. You know, if you were abused as a child, I was abused as a child, that, that is not, I absolutely do not believe that that was the will of God. God can make something good come out of something that was absolutely not his will and, and that was terrible and hurtful. But you can see that if people are thinking that everything that happens is God's will, then how do you even pray for anything? You might as well just not even bother and just say, well, if it happens, God must have wanted it to be. But God's word doesn't teach that. God's word says that when we ask, we want to know according to his will. And his will is written in his word. God's word is his will. So we're going to be taking a look. And then it says that that's how we can have confidence and that we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So let's go to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. It says in verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So that's kind of a cool thing. It says that grace and peace, one of the things is, anybody want some grace or peace? It's multiplied to you in your knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Where do you get a knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord? In the Bible. See, see it keeps coming back to that roadmap. And in verse 3 it says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has given us, there's nothing. This is shows you too, because besides having a sense of God, God's willingness, part of this is getting God's goodness. God says that there is nothing that he left out that pertains to life and godliness for us. That, that he's given, that everything that we need for life and godliness um, is, ab- is available. It says, through the knowledge of him who called us, again, knowledge of him, word of God, who called us by glory and virtue. It says in verse 4, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God says he's given us exceeding great and precious promises. Promises, there's a bunch of promises God's already given you that are written in the word of God, things that God has said that are yours right now. Somebody told me there were over 900 promises in the Bible. How many do you know? You know what's amazing to me? This has always just blown my mind and got me excited to want to know God's word and know what the promises of God are. We want to know, because can you see how you'd have a little bit more confidence if you absolutely knew that what you were praying for was God's will? It helps me a lot. It helps me so much when I'm praying for something. I go, wait, I don't have to be afraid to pray here. God already said he wants this for me. I'm asking for something that God has promised and that God wants. I can have confidence. That's the idea behind it as as far as faith. Faith is confidence. It's believing. It's trust. So we want to know God's word. Exceeding great and precious promises. It's kind of, um, we talk about it in the Seekers Retreat. It's kind of like if you have a bank account with a million dollars, and it's got your name out. Could you imagine bank account with your name, account number, legitimate money in there in your bank account? If you didn't know that that account existed, could you spend any of it? Isn't that crazy? Could you imagine if you had a million dollars rightfully yours in the bank with your name on it, 
And if you did not know that you had that money there, you could not spend a dime. That is so much like not understanding what's available from God. That it's yours. It's promised. God is good for his promises, too. But we want to know what he's promised. We're going to look at some of it today. But I can't, I can't cover it all today. But we'll, we'll squeeze some juicy ones in there. Um, okay. So let's go to Hebrews 10 in verse 23. You can just look at the screen. or Since we don't have the U version, you can take notes. If you've got a Bible, it's always great to write in your Bible. You see a verse you like, underline that baby so you can find it again. Hebrews 10 and verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God who promised is faithful. If God promises, people break promises, don't they? You can't really count on that. Doesn't that suck? You know, people make promises to you, and you don't know if, you know, usually you know, we run into problems having too much faith in someone's promises when they've been a little flaky. But God is always faithful. If God promises you, there's no, like, maybe, maybe not. It says the promises of, the God, of God are yes. They're yes. They're not, I know I promise, but, you know, don't feel like it today. Woke up late. <laughs> God doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the excuse is. <laughs> Change your mind, had better plans than to help you today. Got a better offer. Um, God is faithful, so it says we can hold fast the confession of our hope. What's really cool, too, is have you been noticing in the Bible that a lot of this talks about speaking God's word is a part of faith. We want to be declaring God's word and speaking it. Speaking it to ourselves, speaking it to others, it helps your faith. We want not just to go keep it inside of our heart, but think about just even saying the promises of God. God loves me. God is for me. God is good. God's given me many promises. God's given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. A lot of good things like that. We're going to be looking at some more so you can learn these promises and say them. helps your faith. What's available? We'll look at a few. In Psalm 103 and verse 2, it says, there's two promises here that are pretty awesome. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. In verse 3, who forgives how many of your iniquities? All. Is there any iniquity? Iniquity, sin. Is there any that God says he doesn't forgive? Whatever it is, like, you just think about, you know, all this stuff about, you know, people say, oh, that's too bad, and people, you know, like, ostracize people from church. God says he forgives all our sin. There is not one thing. It doesn't matter what you do. God's promise is to forgive all our iniquities. And who heals how many of your diseases? All. There's no exception here. Where do we get the teaching that illness somehow teaches us some lesson? God says he heals all our diseases. There is nothing that's not available. I had a friend of mine tell me that she thought that somebody got cancer because God, because everything happens for a reason. That somebody died of cancer because God wanted that. How can you have faith and pray if you think that maybe God wants something like that for your life? Doesn't that affect your faith a little bit? A lot. 
You're not going to be able to have faith and confidence if somehow you think that what happened to you was God's will. We talked about it last week. There is not one scripture that people are turned away for healing. There's not one time that people ask and God's like, no, you don't go to church enough. You don't pay a tithe. I want you to stay sick. There's not one verse like that. Jesus had people coming up to him right and left thousands, and not one was turned away for healing. He heals all our diseases. These two promises right here, other than faith, we, we, we see that faith is a condition for prayers being answered. But, but other than that, faith is just, the whole point of faith is allowing, is, is God not overstepping our free will. But otherwise, there's nothing we have to do to earn it. No conditions. Now, that's not true for all the promises. We'll talk about some that have a condition. But these are without condition. In 1 Peter 2, in verse 24, Jesus says, Who himself, or it's speaking about Jesus, sorry, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. What that's saying is that the stripes on Jesus' back paid for your physical healing. His broken body on the cross paid for your healing. You don't have to pay. There's no dues you've got to pay. Jesus paid for that. The same way as the blood of Jesus Christ covered us for every sin, every shortcoming, paid the price for it. So there's no place that we have to pay again with God. So those are some pretty good promises right there, right? And then in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it says that if you confess, see that word confess again? I love how much that's been showing up in these promises. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen is right. That one changed my life. A lot of the promises did, but this one changed my life like nothing else. Jesus Christ gave his life for you just the way you are. doesn't matter where you're coming from, what you've done, what your past is. Right in this moment, Jesus Christ gave his life for you, and there's no price that you have to pay. You just need to confess that he's Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. In that moment, God puts Holy Spirit in you. You've got incorruptible seed. You're living for all eternity. And you didn't have to do anything to deserve it. That blew my mind. That Jesus loved me just the way I was, even when I had rejected him for so many years. That's a pretty good promise. It says, for with the heart uh, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let's go to 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. These are just some promises of God. It says, casting, how much of your care? All, that word all is being used a lot today. I, I didn't throw it in there. This is God's word. Casting, casting is to throw. Casting all your care on him because he cares for you. 
What care right now do you have that's weighing you down that you're holding on to? I bet you, I bet you somebody's got one that you're holding on to and taking your care. Yeah, I bet you everybody's got one or two or 20. It says that we, God's desire is for us to cast, to throw our cares. Cares, what are they? Things that worry, worry you. Things that make you feel burdened. Things that weigh you down. How many worries and troubles do you have? It says casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. God loves you. He's, again, that's God's desire and heart. How crazy is that? God loves you right now and wants to take your cares. He wants to do the heavy lifting of whatever it is. There is no part of your life that God doesn't want to be included. And life is lighter with him. When you're casting all your cares upon him, your heart is lighter. Everything, it's... It'll be amazing. I've seen times of, you know, when, when I am particularly spending time in prayer and casting my cares on God, that I could be going through crazy stuff that normally would take me out and feel light as a feather. You know, where I'm like, I feel blessed. You, it's possible to feel so taken care of by God that even in difficult, challenging situations that you feel light. God wants your cares. How amazing is that? It's, anybody, you know, I get if you're a little perplexed by it. I do understand that. God, why? Ever said that, those prayers? Why, God, why? Why do you care? Romans 8, in verse 28. I love this section because there's a whole bunch of juicy promises, so I'm going to skip through them to get to the promises because they're, kind of uh, different places, but some really sweet ones. And in verse 28 says, And we know that all ha, 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 things work <laughs> together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. What then shall we say to... Oh, sorry, that was 28. Let's go down to 31. <laughs> what shall we say to these things? If God is for us... Who can be against us? God is for you right now in your corner. There is no part. God is not like people. You know, people can be kind of manipulative. You've noticed, right? Where they withdraw their love if you don't do everything that they want, etc. God's not like that. God is for you right now. I don't care if you're not for God. He's still for you. He is. God is fighting and rooting and desiring for every person to be blessed. Mind you, he does not overstep free will, but God is no, no matter what, God is in your corner desiring the best for you and desiring for your life to be blessed. In verse 32, so we're talking about willingness. Are these things helping your idea that God's willing? That's the idea, because that's a faith builder. God is willing. In verse 32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God's saying, like, if you have doubts about the fact that he will fulfill his promise to you, he's saying, I gave you my son. There's nothing bigger than that. So why would you think I'm going to all of a sudden get chintzy and hold back on you in other things that you need in your life? I gave you my son unconditionally. You didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to be good. That's as big as it gets. So, so how do we doubt? It's, just, it's to give us an idea. Free, and I love the freely because God's saying he's not reluctant about it. Sometimes people give you things that they promised and they're like, I sure wish I hadn't promised this. You know. It says God is, God in his giving, is, it's freely. And then verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. <laughs> And then it, it actually, it's, it's, uh, so it's, this is a little bit of a joke, actually. Um, it says, we are not counted as sheep for the slaughter for him. It says in verse 37, um, it usually says nay in all these things. King James says nay. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. There's truth in that, too. No matter what life's circumstances are, we are more than conquerors. We can be through God because God is bigger than our circumstances. And then in verse 38, it says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's definitely a figure of speech emphasizing there might, have you ever doubted that God is going to withdraw his love from you? This promise right there is God's way of trying to help us get it. Nothing will be able to separate you. That's how big his love is. He's not running away. People do that. God doesn't. Now, I want to look at some promises with the condition, and then we're going to talk about a few things that you can't pray for, that people, because there are a few common things people pray for that aren't available. And like I say, we want to have faith where it makes sense to have faith, where faith, faith should make sense. Faith should not be wishful thinking. Faith should not be fantasy land. That's, that's goofy. You know, believe in a fantasy, that's goofy. A lot of times people think that's what faith is. Faith is just believe in a bunch of made-up pooey, you know, that's never going to happen anyway. And, yeah, it's just that's, I don't, I was born a, or not born, but I was raised an a skeptical atheist. We don't, we don't go for that kind of thinking. Just believe a bunch of hooey. If faith doesn't make sense, you shouldn't believe it. Faith actually makes sense when you put it together and see what God has and what God promises. But also, when we have faith that God's going to do something, we want to have faith in stuff he says he'll do, not just some made-up stuff where we're praying, again, for things that God never promised. 
but we need the roadmap. So let's go to um, a few promises with a condition, because that's a piece of it as well. Uh, Matthew 6, 25, there are some. And it's, so it's important when we're looking at some of these promises of God, some of them are connected to something else. Some, some aren't. Like I said, the forgiveness and the healing are available without having to do anything. Matthew 6, verse 25, it says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Now this is what most people worry about all day, isn't it? <laughs> so it's a little funny when you think about it. What do you mean, don't worry about that? What a, I, my mind would be blank all day otherwise, usually. Um, it says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Which is true, huh? Isn't it a little bit sad that we spend so much of our time worrying about those things? You know, about the physical, temporary things. It says, life is more than that. And then in verse 26, it says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So <laughs> God's saying, are you, God makes sure that birds are fed. He said, don't you think he might have some more value for you, who he calls his children? And then it says in verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature, which I think is also means by worrying, could you grow an inch? You sat around and worried about it. So I think it's another kind of interesting thing about this whole section is how many times we worry about things that aren't in our control. Expend volumes and masses of energy about things that we have no power over and can't do anything about. So that's what that's referring to. And then it says, um, okay, we can't, we can't worry, we can't grow, uh, grow taller. In verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And, you know, we don't talk, spin is like spinning your clothes, like weaving fabric. You know, so they're not, like, so, they're not at a sewing machine is what they're saying. Um, the lilies. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I would think, I think that that was probably funny to those people back then. They're not at the sewing machine. <laughs> in verse 29, it says, Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And Solomon was a king in the Bible who was famous for being the wealthiest man ever in the universe. Uh, his he, had, he was famous for his clothing being solid gold. Not too many people today you even see. We know rich people today, most of them don't have solid gold clothing. So that um, was, would cost a bunch, wouldn't it? It's probably um, similar to those um, things that are, have diamonds or something. So that was like saw the way that Solomon would dress with jewels and gold. And, um, so they're saying... The way that God takes care of the lilies is even better than the way that Solomon's dressed, which I think that's true. And then it says um, in verse 30, Now if God clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 
Verse 31, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. It says in verse 33, God, God knows you need this stuff. God knows that he's, he's not oblivious to the physical universe. You know, he's not just because he, he's been around for all time, doesn't know that he doesn't understand modern times and cars and whatever. You know, he's um, up with the times. And then it says in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So this is a condition, because what it's saying is, if in our hearts, it doesn't mean seek only God. It's not, you know, being extreme like that, like, like all you should do is live for God every minute of every day, etc., but it's set, the promise is that if we put, if the decisions that we make in our lives are seeking God first, if we make God our priority with our time, with our resources, with the choices that we make, it says God's going to take care of all those other things. I've seen this come to pass in my life. I really have. I've, um, you know, from a young person, because my life was so transformed by Jesus Christ, uh, in such a profound way, I, I've had a fire in my heart since I was a teenager that was very excited about knowing Jesus, is nothing else has mattered to me than how I can introduce people to Jesus. I just love Jesus, and I'm like, he changed my life, and there's nothing that fires up my heart more than trying to help other people to come to know him. So, so I've kind of lived my life, even as a career, um, I didn't go to school, uh, which is probably a foolish thing. I mean, it's not like that was the, you know, when you're young, you make foolish decisions, I'm sure. So I never went to school um, beyond high school. And I just wanted my life to be about serving him. And you know what? It's been the weirdest thing. I have been, <laughs> like, like, the more I've served him, the more, like, he has prospered me as far as my business and I have a really successful business, like, and I really, even my, my, I'm a, um, I have an acting school, and even my students kind of know, everybody else does, that I probably spend 80% of my time volunteering for the church, uh, as far as time goes, but somehow God has made us, like, the number one school in the Bay Area, and it's just sort of like, come on, really? You know what I'm saying? I really see this in so many ways of seeking God first, that, that of making I believe it with all my heart. I've seen it um, over and over and over again. So this is one that's God saying, you put me in your life first, and I'll take care of the kind of smaller, insignificant things. Let's go to Joshua 1 and verse 8. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate in it day and night that you might observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So this is pretty cool, too. So God's promising prosperity and success. Anybody like those things? Sound appealing? So it says that the, the book of the law, which is the Bible, shall not depart from your mouth. See it in your mouth again that we want to be speaking God's word? Part of it is we want to be, it's not just reading it, but we want it to be coming out of our mouths, too. So it's... If, if it doesn't depart from our mouth, and if we meditate in it day and night, which 
uh, you know what that means. But it's a lot, thinking about God and his word uh, and how we can live it out. That we might observe to do all that is written. As we live the word of God, it says, we're going to be prosperous and have good success. And I've seen that too. I've seen it like a lot of people actually. When people have, I, you know, at a younger age, there was a time period that I was so focused on career and I wanted so bad to make piles of money and, you know, uh, it just, I was just driven by it where I wasn't necessarily putting God first in my life. Um, but my career was definitely a bigger deal to me. But it says that if we apply God's word, it'll make us prosperous and successful. Why is that? It's honestly, if you living out the things in the roadmap that we saw in the skit, our wisdom about life. God is not stupid. He knows how we're built. He knows how we function the best. So if you're doing things that are in the word as far as how you're living, it's going to make everything in your life better. The more of it that you live out. It'll help your relationships. It'll help your career. Uh, it's amazing how that works. I've seen that for many people's lives. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. Here's another one. These are all ones that have conditions attached to them, but they're still promises. It means if you do it, you ever thought, oh, yeah, if I do the Bible, my life is going to suck, or if I put God first, then everything else is going to fall apart. You know, have you ever thought that? You know, these are the things that we can trust God as far as his promises go. In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, it says, but this I say, he that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Now, sowing and reaping, we're not an agricultural society, so it doesn't really, it's not like sowing like we talked about earlier. Um, sowing or planting seeds, it's in the ground. So, sowing the seed. And reaping is like harvesting the, the crop, you know. So, you sow, put seeds in the ground, they grow, and then you reap the harvest. So, that's what sowing and reaping are. <coughs> it says... He who sows sparingly, like a little bit, you put one seed in the ground, will reap sparingly. Do not expect a big, giant harvest that's uh, going to feed you all winter if you put one seed in, probably. Um, but interesting, if you sow it all, there, you still, have you ever noticed with seeds, you plant one little seed, you always get back more than a seed, don't you? Like, even planting something, there God multiplies back in just the law of planting, of sowing and reaping. And then it says, he who sows bountifully, which is a lot, will reap bountifully. If you plant tons of seeds, you'll reap a big, giant harvest. And then it says, so in verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And, and then it says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Wow. Who wants that? Yeah. Me. So it says, the point of this is giving. Giving is a powerful thing. What is it in any part? This is specifically talking about money because it's a big one. But it really relates to other parts of life. You know, if you give kindness, you get kindness back. Maybe not from that person, but some, you know, overall, it kind of works. You give smiles, get smiles back. Give love, you know, whatever it is. Um, 
But this specifically, God actually speaks a lot about money in the Bible just because people have the hardest time usually with, um, with giving fi- financially. Have you ever noticed that, that it's hard sometimes to part with your money? Used to be for me anyway. Now I actually am super, I love, love, love giving. But um, it says, so you should give not grudgingly or of necessity. Grudgingly or of necessity means just what it is. It's like God teaches us to give, but he wants us to be blessed about it too. In the Old Testament, it was actually a law that, and, and God set the law saying that everybody had to give 10% period of whatever they made. But God still wanted you to do it cheerfully. God's saying you could do it just because it's a law. But God's desire is for us to actually be blessed about it and to get the heart behind it. Um, God loves a cheerful giver. And w- with, with that, God says that God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency in all things. Would you like to have all sufficiency in all things? It's awesome. I love, honestly, I, I, I love having confidence. I have a lot of confidence when it comes to money. I do. I, I just, I have no doubt that God's going to provide for me. I really do. I, I get it. That's why, honestly, I'll give, I don't, you know, I would rather sell my house to be able to give than seriously. And sometimes it's thought. Sometimes we've talked about that. You know, it's been kind of, it was a bad market for a while, so sometimes we were thinking, you know what, if that, I'm not going to not give, I, I'd rather not make my house payment and go give up my, I would, that's how passionate I am about this. i just like, I, I really am just like, I'm sorry, it's not an option because my God is going to provide for me. And it's true, I, I believe that. There's just not a time that I'm like, you know what, God has always provided. God is faithful like that. That's a, that's a promise from God. Here's some things that, so those are some promises that God's got some conditions. Let's look at a few things that you can pray for that are not available that people pray for. Actually, the big one that people pray for is overstepping another person's free will. And that hurts sometimes. I know there's people that we love and that we care about and that we worry about that are doing things that might be hurtful. And it's hard, isn't it? You pray and you just like, oh, I, I hear story after story of people saying, I prayed for my parents to stay together, and they split up. Where was God in that? You know, or what, you know, just things like that that people, children don't know. There's children's prayers, people that think their God isn't real because they went through their parents getting divorced. I've heard that one. You know, or praying. There's what God can do and why it's worth praying for people is what God can do is he can change the circumstances to help that person have the best opportunity to have a change of heart possible. That's why it's worth praying. But ultimately, that person that you love, that you're praying for, has free will. God gives that. God is absolutely stands behind free will. He never oversteps it. He never takes control of another person's choices. So that's the, on, by far the number one thing that I see people praying for and, um, you know, and being very confused by that. So it helps to really think about God's limits. Why do we pray for people we love? Because we, he can. It's worth it. You pray for the circumstances. Um, 
yeah, I, you know, I've prayed for people. I prayed for Kimberly, I remember. Like, she's somebody I prayed for for years and years and years, you know, when I didn't get to be around her very much. And I knew that, you know, I, I, all I could do was pray that God would fit, fit the circumstance to bless her and to bring her back to, to him, you know. So it's worth praying for people. It's worth praying for people that you love and that you care about. Don't give up on that, you know, because if there's a way that that person might have a little teeny bit of open-heartedness somewhere in there, you're at least by your prayers giving that an opportunity where God can work around them. Does that make sense? Does that help a little bit? The other thing that, um, that's not available is sometimes people are praying for the promises that have conditions and aren't doing the condition. Do you know what I mean? Like, God says, yeah, this is a promise, you know, but you're not doing the part that God says. You know, prosper and successful and, you know, or what have you. So those, that's why we want to be clear as far as the promises go, which ones are not conditional or if there are conditions, knowing it's going to be worth it to fulfill those conditions because God is faithful. So I want to ask you some questions because I want, do you see, like, we want to know the promises of God. God has over 900 promises in his word. God is for you. God is in your corner. God wants to bless you. We don't have to go it alone. We can cast all of our care on him because he cares for us. It is available. God is powerful. Last week we talked about the power of God. We want to know that God is able and God is willing. God is willing. We want to know what he's willing to do and be boldly so we can have confidence, like the first verse that we read when we pray, knowing that we have asked according to his will. Next week, we're going to be talking about how to receive from God, the key to receiving, uh, and as far as prayer goes. And we'll be looking at that. But I want you to think a little bit as I pray. And you can write this down in your, since it's not on your U version, but you can write it down in your program if you'd like, because you can take notes in your program and take it with you. Uh, I want you to think about where would you like to grow in faith right now? Where's a part in your life that you'd like to grow in faith? To be thinking about that this week. And remember how we prayed or how we talked about last week, even if you're struggling in faith, you can ask God to help with that. And let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you have given us your word so that we don't have to wonder about our prayers, that it just doesn't seem to be arbitrary, and certainly that we don't have to settle for thinking that something bad happens, that somehow you meant it, and somehow we, we, it's because we don't deserve things, or you had to teach us a lesson that, some of these horrible things happen, but that we can know what your promises are and we can know what your, your will is for us and what you desire for us, that we can be bold, that we can have confidence, that we can have faith, that we're not just wishful thinking, it's not just fantasy land, but that our faith is based on knowing your word and knowing your promises. Thank you, God, for your love and your faithfulness that when you promise, you're not like people that just yank it you're not manipulative, but that we can count on the fact that you are faithful, God. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.